Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 59 of the Stomp the Bus Show. I am your host, Mark Harris, coming at you solo for this relatively short episode. Thanks for tuning in. Please like and subscribe on YouTube, rate and review on your podcast app of choice. And everyone knew this game going into Washington was going to be tough, and it's there's no change to that because... <laughs> Uh, ASU will be playing the number five Washington Huskies in Seattle at Husky Stadium on Saturday night. They are, last I checked, 28-point uh, underdogs, 28-and-a-half-point underdogs. I don't know. I think ASU's been playing better to think that they might cover that spread, but there's a reason Washington is that hefty of a favorite. I mean, they – I mean, Penix is on track to win the Heisman, and they just have awesome players everywhere. They have great wide receivers. Their defense is maybe not elite, but it's good. And their offensive line almost never lets Penix get hit, and we saw the running game uh, do pretty well against Oregon last Saturday. So it's going to be a tough game. I don't. There's really no ASU fan. Like this is a game. I mean, it's kind of nice. There's no, there's no expectations on ASU. Like no, no one is expecting them to win. You're just hoping, as a fan, what can they do to be competitive? What can they do to have us walking away from the game in a similar light as the USC game, in a similar type of attitude, maybe after the. Uh, that's really it because that's USC is the only team we've played that's even close to Washington to this point. So it's going to be a tough game. There's no, it's, I, if I'm an ASU fan, I, I a win is, I'm not expecting that at all. Uh, it's, it's going to be tough. Like there's just no way, to, there's no other way to put it, especially when you factor in that ASU beat Washington last year. And I've seen, seen some tweets. I've seen some like, Oh, Trent Bourget is the last player to beat Washington. And, uh, I saw a tweet from someone that's uh, the only quarterback who can beat the Washington Huskies in his picture of Trenton Borgay because they did beat UW last year. Uh, I do think it's important to point out that one of the reasons why ASU beat UW last year is because of a pick six that Jordan Clark returned to his credit, but it was a pick six that just was, it was just a, a Washington's fault. Like it Penix threw it, it bounced off one of his linemen's helmets into the air, pick six. That is that is a pretty, pretty fluky play. It's a fluky play. And not only for it to bounce up, but for it to bounce up right, like right where the runner could have caught it and run into the end zone. It's just, you're not going to see that often. And I don't think I've seen a play like that since that game. So that has to be factored in as to one of the reasons why ASU beat Washington last year. It was also in Tempe. I I also believe that Washington had a bunch of injuries in its secondary as well. So that didn't help. Um, I do think this could have been more of a trap game for Washington had, had ASU not beaten them last year. If ASU had just lost to Washington last year, I do think it's much easier to believe that this could be a trap game for the Huskies because they just came off this huge emotional win over Oregon um, look, maybe looking ahead to the USC game they have in a few weeks. 
and oh, here's ASU one and five team, worst team in the Pac-12, and um, you know they trip up. But because Coach Kalen DeBoer can just show Michael Penix, show all the Husky players, hey, remember when we lost to ASU last year? We may be good, but we're not that good. So you guys better bring it on Saturday, yada yada. And that is a tough, uh, tough mixture for the Sun Devils. I got to say, like, it's just all the problems ASU has to begin with entering this game. And you add on the fact that UW lost to this team last year. So you mix both of those things in and it's, (laughs) there's a reason why, again, I've come back to it. There's a reason why no one's really expecting anything from this game for the Sun Devils. So like I said earlier, I, I'm I'm hoping for a um, competitive-ish game, a game where Washington clearly has to work for it. You know, they so if you look at the other games Washington's played this year against teams at, at or mo, mo, usually above ASU's level, uh, they beat Boise State fifty-six to nineteen. They beat Tulsa, I want to say like forty-three to ten. And then 41-7 over Michigan State in a game that, strangely, wasn't even that close. Uh, 59-32 over Cal, but they led the game. They led that game over Cal at half. I think they were up 45-12. to So, and ASU, we saw ASU play Cal. Those were pretty evenly matched teams. And so when you kind of – Factor that in. Obviously, the transitive property in college football doesn't like mean anything. But when you just look at ASU plays Cal on the road, they lose 24 to 21, look like a fairly evenly matched game. Maybe ASU was even a little better on that day, but they didn't win. And then you see the Washington beat them 45 to 12 and put up 59 points in the game. And it's like, oh man, like <laughs> it's just Washington just at a different level than ASU. And if ASU if ASU wins this game by some Weird Pac-12, however it would happen, I don't know. It would have to be more because of Washington losing it than ASU actually winning it, if that makes sense. Like, ASU isn't winning this game by just going up there and playing well. They're going to need Washington to also play bad and play bad beyond just what the defense is forcing Washington to do. They're going to need, like, a a ball that's like looks like it's going to be caught and just the guy drops it somehow and the ball bounces up and we get a pick because of it. like everything missed field goals, dumb turnovers, penalties. Like you're going to need Washington to just play badly in order to win this game. And so that's why I'm just like, you know what? Let's just keep feeding Badger, keep feeding Scatabo, keep feeding Conyers, keep feeding our best players, keeping them engaged in the season because, like Ralph mentioned last week, the UCLA game, that is uh, winnable. T- sounds a little generous to say, but it is much more winnable than Washington and Oregon uh, that we have on our schedule. And then Wazoo, we saw them get destroyed at home in Pullman by Arizona uh, this last weekend, who Arizona is definitely better than us. Um, that is for sure. A- Arizona is a pretty good team. So I wouldn't expect ASU to win like that. But my point is, if you keep all of your better offensive players involved, you keep generating uh, pressure on the quarterback and um, keep getting guys sacks, that has to, ha- that will help. That'll keep guys engaged because it's like, okay, like maybe we aren't a good team. 
We have all these holes in certain position groups, but I am playing well. So I'm going to keep going out there and playing well to further my NFL draft stock, to be in a better position on this team the next year, to be in a better position in the transfer portal after the year. I mean, there's a million reasons beyond, you know, trying to play well just so you can win. Uh, you know, having guys play well for selfish reasons is still them playing well. And I'm not even accusing anyone of being like that on the team. But my point is like keeping these guys involved is a good, just just a good thing to do with your team because you don't have that many good players, right? So forcing the ball to Badger isn't the worst thing because he's clearly your best receiver. You know, giving it to Cascadabo, maybe some of the direct snaps are a little not timed the best, but keeping him involved is just so important for the rest of the year when you're trying to win one more game. That's the goal. And I mentioned we're the worst team in the Pac-12. I didn't think that heading into uh, this weekend. I didn't think it at halftime of the Colorado game when Stanford was down 29 nothing. But uh, that game obviously did not end the way Colorado wanted to. They blew the 29-point lead and lost in double overtime, I believe. So, <laughs> by, you know, ASU is now the worst team in the Pac-12 because of that. Like, if there's no... Uh, no way around it. They need to win one more game to um, convince people that they aren't. So Stanford right now, ASU is the only team without a conference win, I believe. Uh, I'm not going to look it up, but that does make sense since Cal and Col Cal and Colorado beat ASU. So there you go. Uh, yeah, it's you're just hoping for a, the word I come back to is competency. You're, I'm just looking for a competent performance. You know. Don't be completely out of the game at halftime. At least maybe like hopefully it's you're down by 10 or something. I don't know. Like, again, this is this is the ultimate grade on a curve type of game. And and I was thinking before the podcast, like if ASU can somehow hold UW to below 30 points, even if it's 39 points or below 40 points, even if it's 39 points, uh, I'd be totally OK with that. Like, that's fine. The only teams that have held them to below 40 are were Arizona um, and Oregon and the Arizona game. Like if you watch that game, you'd have moved the ball up and down the field pretty much at will. So, but it still counts. And so that could be the same with ASU and ASU could lose 38 to 13. And I don't know how mad I would be at the defense because they held Washington under 40 points. So that's how it is. And, uh, we don't know if McMillan will play for Washington after he got uh, a little injured in the Oregon game, but that that'll, make a difference too. Cause instead of it's two NFL wide receivers you're defending, it's all of a sudden three NFL wide receivers you're defending. And that's tough for any team, let alone ASU. All right. Um, I did, uh, I saw some interesting stuff this week that came out uh, today and yesterday about practice. So this is from Chris Cartman. He tweets on October 17th. O-lineman Bram Walden is out and Joey Ramos is questionable for Washington with new injuries per Kenny Dillingham. Cade Briggs is questionable. Isaiah Glass is back. Dillingham, quote, we gained one and we lost two. So it's not great. The offensive line, it's just that's the story this year beyond all the off the field stuff. The on the field story of this Sundable season is just the offensive line injuries and just how much it is and um, – just how impressive it is. And Cartman notes the OL injuries are more than any season I can remember. 
And then you have people in the comments being like, oh, are we not practicing right? Uh, is, is this, is this just bad luck? I, I think it's just bad luck. Like, I think sometimes fans, including myself, I think they don't like injuries are just going to happen in football. And like, I, I just, I just don't know what, what what you want the coaching staff to do like are they, if they're practicing too hard at practice like maybe but i just can't see that being the case if they're already so down like you can't afford to lose anyone in practice and you know i don't know i'm just talking through this but i, I feel like the, the sometimes it's just no one wants to just go with the simplest answer of that just being bad luck so um sucks it's affected this season we would probably have one more win by now if the offensive line injuries were just more at like a normal pace than how much they have been but it is what it is and this is where we're at also said another interesting quote this is yesterday monday dillingham talking about nil and he had some interesting quotes uh this is from brad denny's twitter page dillingham on asu's nil efforts quote we're very close to turning a corner in the space. NIL is, quote, essential. It's about 80 to 85% of the process now. So that's interesting. The turning the corner phrase is very interesting, especially given what Ralph said in our last episode, which please listen to our last episode. It was a, Ralph was incredible on the show. A lot of really good information. Um, a lot of big picture stuff that he really shed some light on. If you're an ASU fan and you care about the uh, long-term health of the athletics, uh, who's making the um, important athletic decisions, uh, I recommend you tune into that show, particularly uh, the second half of that show. We really got uh, dug into that a lot. So that was a lot of fun. And it ties back to this because he said that um, ASU's NIL place, NIL uh, position was in a, uh, he said, it was not a good spot is what he said. And when you have Dillingham saying we are very close to turning a corner in the space, that is encouraging. And I don't think he would use the phrase turning a corner if they weren't actually getting close to something, right? I don't think he would, I don't, I think he just would have talked in more general terms and would have said, oh, you know, it's, uh, this is an important thing that we have to do. And this is how it is, yada, yada, yada. And hopefully the community can help out and this and that. No, but to say we are close to turning a corner, that means in my head, we are close to having enough money in the reserves to field a more, a much more competitive team next year. That is the, that's what I think that he means. So that's good. And another quote is from Dillingham. Uh, feels Dr. Crow is supportive of ASU's NIL work and understands the importance of it. This is also big. Um, could this mean, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not going to read into any more of that uh, statement, but just from where Michael Crow used to be on NIL to where he purportedly is now and how Dillingham thinks that he feels about it, that seems to be a step in the right direction. So who knows? But I do like the encouraging um, 
encouraging comments from Dillingham about NIL because that is the key. Like it's in, in the back of your head as an ASU fan, it's like, okay, this could be the thing that really holds us back. Like beyond anything else, like if in this day and age, in 2023, 2024 college sports, you have to have competitive NIL uh, backing. You don't need to be number one. You don't need to be a You don't need to be, you know, whomever it may be. You don't need to be the number. You don't need to be Oregon. I get it. But you can't be like where ASU was, you know, and where it might be at to this right now. But when you have the head coach saying you are very close to turning a corner in the space, again, that is general talk, but it also indicates that something positive is happening or very well could happen when you use the phrase turning the corner. So um, that's good. I don't have any, you know, insider information or anything else to add to that, but I do think the way he phrased it is interesting. That's what I'll, that's what I'll leave with that. Um, Yeah. So not a whole lot else. It's, you know, the injuries are just unfortunate. Um. I it's weird. I don't know what to expect from like, cause it's very easy as an ASU fan to just be like, Oh, we're just going to get blown out. And that'll be that. But it's weird. They've looked competent in the last three games, but the three teams they played USC just got blown out and should have lost to Arizona the week before Cal hasn't looked good since that game. And Colorado hasn't looked good since that game, just losing to Stanford at home. So that makes me less encouraged about, you know, their uh, competitiveness against Washington. But I just hope no injuries. This is a game, you know, even if like me, Colton, a lot of people who had much uh, more positive expectations for this team entering the season, nobody thought they were winning this Washington game. Okay. So if they do get blown out, I don't, it doesn't change any of anything that I think about the program, like getting blown out. Had they gotten blown out by USC in the PAC 12 opener, that would have been a lot worse because you were at home because you had just gotten uh, blown out the week before by Fresno state. And it, it just would have been a much like they needed a competitive game against them in a game where USC really had to work for it. It was a close game. Um, they needed that type of game at that point in the season to just be like, Hey, like maybe we're not, you know, we're not a good team, but we're also, we're going to show up and compete every game. And you have to, that's what I want to see against Washington. So, but that said, I also expect a much, I still like, if they lose by 21 points, that's just, I'll, I'll, you know, it's how it's going to be like Washington is loaded. So, um, all right. I think I touched on all the important football stuff. Um, Colton can't join us today, but I'm going to wrap this up anyway. So not too much, uh, that we'll miss just coming off of bye. Uh, yeah, just scrolling Twitter. looks like they're still mostly pretty, pretty injured. So not great, but yeah, well, good thing. Other ASU sports have gotten off to good starts of the season. I'm going to start with volleyball. Uh, they had been undefeated for a bit. They are, they've dropped to 18 and two, which is still awesome. They didn't lose any dumb matches in the non-conference. And then in Pac-12 play, 
their only losses, they lost on the road to number three Stanford at the end of the end of September. No big deal. This past weekend, they uh, lost at Oregon State, but then beat number five Oregon in New Eugene. And now they're 18 and two. Just an incredible season for ASU volleyball. You know, it's uh, they had they had had a lot of they had had a lot of turnover there and they'd had it had really been a while since they had been successful. I mean, I feel like it was when I was in college or maybe just after that, but new head coach, JJ Van Neal, he's done a great job. Um, so I just wanted to shout them out. It's like at this point, like with, with ASU, with how it's been, like these type of, this is just really impressive to see. So good job to Sun Devil Volleyball and to head coach JJ Van Neal. They've done a good job. Uh, ASU hockey, ASU hockey off to a two and zero start two wins over Merrimack over the weekend and they find themselves ranked at, Oh, I think they were number 18. The thing with hockey is there's not like one pole. There's like multiple poles, but they were ranked number 18th in the USCHO poll, which I think is the, is the main one. And that's, that's good. Yeah. They're ranked number 19th in us hockey, uh, so whatever, it's a different service, but it's kind of like how college baseball, there's different ranking systems. But I, you know, say all that to say, like, it's good, good start to the season. Not only that, like, clearly they're getting some respect from whatever the national college hockey media is um, to be ranked. Just, you know, beating, you know, winning two games. I'm sure they're not the only team to have won two games, you know in college hockey over the weekend, but they did. And because of that, they're now ranked 18th, 19th in the poll. And that's a good start. And um, I think we mentioned on some shows earlier, they got some high level recruits for hockey. So some good stuff. And then an interesting little nugget of news was ASU basketball, ASU men's basketball, getting a new player. They got this guy. He's a sixth-year college basketball player. I think he's on like his fifth team. He was on West Virginia last year, but he wasn't able to for whatever some eligibility thing. wasn't able to play. He had played at Manhattan University of Manhattan uh, a few years ago and averaged like eighteen points. Uh, his name's Jose Perez, another guard, and yeah first team all maac honors in the 21 22 season where he averaged 18.9 points per game 4.5 assists in 29 of the 30 games they played so looks like a good off the bench guy another um another good ball handler and some veteran experience i'll take it man i'll take it and he seemed he seemed like he really liked uh visiting asu and could vibe with uh, coach early pretty well so some good stuff. Some good stuff. Um, yeah. So just, uh, I guess I have to do a score prediction for UW. Uh, I said I'd be happy if they hold them to under 40, 40 points. I don't know if they do. I'm going to go Washington 45, Arizona State 17. I think the offense will have some moments in this game, but ultimately – UW, UW's pass rush is pretty decent. And that's going to be a problem for offensive line. And then 
maybe ASU will be able to limit the big plays that Washington um, tends to get in the passing game. But just because you limit the big plays, you know, Penix can still kill you underneath. And ASU's rushing defense hasn't been particularly great this season to begin with. So when you factor that in, it's, I, you know, I'm hoping for like two punts. <laughs> that would be, if we can force them to punt like twice, I would be happy with that. So I'll say ASU loses 45 to 17, but continues to look somewhat competent, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know, you know, this might be a game where that doesn't happen though. So I don't, I don't, maybe you can't really look somewhat competent if you lose 45 to 17, but maybe it's, I don't know, they're down like 31, 13. And yeah, there's no, it's, there's no way it's, that's probably going to happen. So maybe they, maybe ASU makes it close and they lose like 31 to 24 or something. And then that would be really impressive. And that would actually be a really good sign for the future. But if they get blown out, I pretty much think of this team the same way I do right now. So, all right. Thank you for listening again. Please like, and subscribe rate and review. And as always go devils.